Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show. Now, rewind to episode 80 and you met the wonderful woman, Anita Seek, and she shared how she went from zero clients to scaling as a copywriter. Anita is the founder of content communications and copywriting studio Word Fetty and host of the very popular podcast, Brand Fetty. Right after we recorded Anita's interview, we then turned the tables and Anita interviewed me for her podcast. And I've had so many messages from those who've listened to that episode, and I thought perhaps you might like to hear it too. I spoke with Anita about really my business and how it's changed over time and why. My experience of mental health and its interrelationship with my work and really my biggest learnings in business to date. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Anita Seek interviews me. And while you're listening, take a screenshot and tag me at Emily Osmond on Instagram and Anita at Anita Seek. We'd love to know if you listened. Hello, Emily. I'm so excited to have you on Brand Fetty, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Anita. Oh, now we were just chatting just before we were recording and I was just on your podcast and I was like, I, I'm going to, I've actually had you on my list as well. So it's like <laughs> perfect timing. And we both were on each other's podcast because we have so many similar connections, but we didn't get the chance to, we have never had the chance to like e-meet until now. And now we're like, I was just on yours. So like my energy is like, yeah, let's keep talking. So I'm so glad that we now get to learn more about you because on your podcast, I I was sharing about my story. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm so excited. So let's start off at the very beginning. Like who is Emily Osmond and what's led you to do what you do today? Oh, Anita, it's such a long story. It's like, it's not one of those. I love long stories. (laughs) Grab popcorn, y'all. (laughs) <laughs> so it's not one of those like oh, it just all made sense from the start so like if I wind back because I know on my potty I was like where did you grow up tell me about that so yeah. I actually grew up in England in Oxford yeah and so my mum is Australian my dad has passed away he was uh, English and so they met basically kind of on my mum's gap year she'd studied and then she went over and um was pouring beers in a pub in Oxford and my dad uh, he was a teacher so he was teaching maths and um, he would go into the pub after work and they obviously hit it off uh, so, yep. yeah so then they had three of us girls I'm the middle of three sisters um, and it got to a point where they just thought right we want my mum I guess had been living in England for I think it was about 20 years and so her family lived in Ballarat or in that area so regional Victoria <laughs> Um, and they decided for us, for our education, for where they wanted us to, I guess, keep growing up, they wanted that to be in Australia. 
which I totally understand. I think Australia is such an amazing country. Um, so we moved over. I was 13. Um, so I'd just done year seven in the first term of year eight in uh, in Oxford and then moved to moved to a school, co-ed school, which I'd never done before. I was all girls previously. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yep, I really. Yep. So I was like, oh, this? And also I, I, like, this is so bad because I obviously grew up speaking English, but moving to Ballarat, I couldn't understand half of what they were saying because of the accent and then also <laughs> all the slang that comes with, not just Ballarat, I mean, but Australia, there's so much, there's so many cultural references and so many slang words like avo and just yep. So it was just everything really. <laughs> <laughs> and I had in my head, because I was very, very positive about the move, and in my head, I was like, we're going to be surfing after school, like you see on Home and Away. Um, so I was very positive about it. And I remember my first day of school and it was such a shock. And so I had my buddy and she kind of just left me. And I was all, so by, much. My, yeah, all by myself. And I just broke down in tears and ended up in the sick bay at my first day. And anyway, I got accompanied to the next class where I was meant to be. But that kind of set the scene for me for school for quite a few years. Mm. I actually spent a lot of my time in sick bay, actually pretty upset and sad and down and homesick. Um, my dad, so in England, he ran his own business and he set up with a couple of his mates, this, uni- like this retake college. So for students that wanted to get into Oxford uni, but didn't get the grades, they, mm. him and his mate, so his mate was science, he was maths and they set up this college. So students could go and retake and then get into the other uni. So Oxford uni, that type of thing. He, so we moved over. And he like was such an English gentleman, like just oh, so typical kind of English guy and had run his own business. Had We had such amazing friends in England, family friends. And uh, it got to only three or four months after we had moved over and he just spiraled into depression and he actually took his life four months after we moved. Oh, um... So, um, yeah, so that also, I guess, played into my first <laughs> few months in Australia. Um, So I, looking back now, I'm pretty sure that I was depressed for quite, quite a lot of years. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate when you, when you go through things, sometimes it takes a long time for it to actually process. So it took me, if I'm honest, about 10 years from when I was 13 to 23 for me to actually process what had happened in the grief. And so I think I just kind of was in denial and probably like my head didn't really know how to process it. But I like I did go through periods where I just couldn't go to school. I just I think I just lay in bed and was like, I just can't do it. Can't go to school. And like I said, I'd just end up in sick bay and hang out there with like who ended up being like my neighbor from down the street. So we kind of ended up being really close, but I just spent a lot of time there. So, yeah, so my I guess we I had a very a really amazing upbringing and like very lucky. We never were needing for anything. Um, but at the same time, I think my mental health was pretty, yeah, wasn't in a good place. Um, so I guess I, I finished up school and I actually switched schools halfway through year 11. Cause I was like, I've got to, I just need a fresh start. I'm just not happy. And I thought, Oh, maybe if I move schools, then I'm going to feel 
like find more friends that felt more like my friends in England because I was just so homesick for them. Um, anyway, that didn't happen. I got pretty bullied <laughs> at school for having the English accent sounding really posh coming from the private school, moving to a public school. And um, that's why I probably don't sound that English now because I just was like, got to drop the accent. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, but I, I was, I was pretty good student, um, and I was pretty good at English and I really loved international studies and I went on and I did my, um, Bachelor of Arts and, um, studied political science as my major thinking, oh, I want to get into government and maybe international affairs and that type of thing. Um, realized, wow, it's actually quite hard to get a job with an arts degree, <laughs> especially once <laughs> So um, I went on and I did my, just straight away, went straight into doing a master's of communications because I thought, you know what, I think I could maybe get into the media and tackle international affairs as a journalist or that type of thing. So ended up studying that one and that was really um, when my when my mental health really just it all became quite at the forefront and I wasn't coping so I moved back to Ballarat then I'd, I'd been in Melbourne at uni moved back to Ballarat and uh, moved back in with mum and I guess just got myself well finished off my thesis did my master's and then just did work experience everywhere I could for the journalism side of things so local tv network local radio local abc everywhere um so that was yeah that's a little introduction and then i can i guess talk about how i then got into what i do now but that was where it all kind of a bit of the backstory there Wow, Emily. I, you know how we would do it on, on your potty. You were like, mm-hmm. oh, there are so many, you know, similar things in um, our stories mm-hmm. and our, our, our journey. Um, you know, a lot of like what you've mentioned and thank you so much for being uh, so open and vulnerable and sharing, um, you know, your story there mm-hmm. Uh with your dad as well and I think to add on to that like and I, I don't think I mentioned this on your potty but I I too lost my 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 dad yeah so it's yeah so I as you were talking I was just looking at you and I was just like I I really wanted to be like I I resonate can yeah completely and it's I so I was probably 20 or 21. Uh, and everything that you've mentioned, Emily, like mm-hmm. I think I, and I know this, this is now like not, not our bubbly voices, but I think mm-hmm. it's, it's an, it's an important discussion because I think what you mentioned before, like it took you around 10 years. I think it, it's the same for me. Like, in fact, I still, I think my voice, like if I go too, too deep into the discussion of me losing my dad, like my, my voice shakes. Yeah. Like it's a – and I think when we dive really deep into the grief discussion, like it's – and I, from what it sounds like, you – did you say you're in the middle or you were the one of the – I'm the middle of the middle child. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, you've, you've got to sometimes have that strong, you've got, it's that balance, right? The strong being strong and, you know, looking after the younger one. And I think for me, like I had to be strong for my mom and, you know, you, you don't get the chance to actually grieve. Like you don't get the chance to, you just got to move, move on in a way, like mm-hmm. uh, apparently move on. Whereas when something like that happens, mm-hmm. I think like you, you, well, I start to see, you know, you can't, like, he's not going to be there when I graduate. He's not going to be there when, you know, I get married and, you know, all of those things play into your minds. And I think it's, he is for me, like one of my biggest inspirations. Like yeah. he is a true business, like 
gone back down, like been bankrupt literally and created businesses again. Uh, And it's just, I think he, yeah, like even though he's not here and I think you would agree with it too, like I feel like it's, Ever like the, it still feels like yesterday for me, and it, and it's such a big. He's such a big motivator, and you know, hopefully, our dads are up in heaven, hanging out, yeah. <laughs> oh. and being like, oh, look at it, look at them talking about us. Yeah. <laughs> it's but it's funny because um, it, I really feel his absence, and I think yeah. like with my business, I just know that he would have like we would have had great chats about and I I I always feel like I guess I talk about like there's like an absence and it's just about having someone that is almost my go-to but like almost like a mentor and that guy you know um that I could go to and chat to and get advice from and I think I know that he would have filled that role so and I just would have loved it absolutely um so yeah, yeah I definitely definitely feel that absence there um but yeah, it's funny. I actually think it's weird, but I think about him when I'm running, maybe because it's like the pain you've got to get through. But I don't know. He always comes to my mind when I'm running and I just think about him and I think, I don't know what it is, but um, kind of just keeps me going when I'm running and just, I don't know. I feel, I feel, sometimes I yeah. and I'm just running and maybe it's just kind of, I don't know. The way that I think and I read, I actually read this really great article actually about, you know, um, people losing loved ones where they, you know, at the end of the day, your friends and your family probably are like, you know, like if you keep talking about it, you must still be so hurt. And they, at the end of the day, don't make, and I know my, my husband now, Dean's like, he, he knows, like I mm-hmm. am probably still, you know, a bit hurt about it, but it's almost like when we do talk about them, like it's, yeah. it's almost like it is them uh, it's that love it's that unconditional love and it's almost like yeah us bringing feeling that absence and talking about it mm-hmm. to really have their love there to support us and fuel us and mm-hmm. be there for us even though they're not there and yeah. I think that's a it's it's special and it's Ooh, um it's funny yeah. it's like I never really clicked that he was a business owner and entrepreneur until like the last few years and I'm like oh maybe that's where I got him from that's really cool because the rest of my family aren't there yeah my mum's um oh that's so interesting yeah so yeah like same with my dad like literally like so my my dad had cancer and it mm. um it, it it so I was his I was dad's personal carer for his last six months oh, the doctors actually said three months and so take that docs yeah. <laughs> take that doctors yeah. um but even his last you know couple of months like he was mm. still on his laptop working <laughs> like truly just so yeah. stubborn but just s- such a hard worker and would not give up mm. and um I'll always 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 remember that it's just yeah. he's truly extraordinary. So, oh, how thank you, thank you for sharing that. M, that's Aww. that's special. Well, oh, well, yeah. I like. I think because um, I I didn't yeah I didn't deal with it for ten years and I didn't know how to talk about it and we um, I think we went back to school the next day after it happened because back uh, like mm. sixteen years ago and um, it might have just been like we had a school chaplain and maybe it was his way of doing it maybe it was the time back then but he's like get them back into school straight away. And so we didn't have any space to really like, I don't know, deal with it. Think about what happened. So yeah, yeah. That, that probably didn't help. But um, anyway, I've like mental health, it's why I do like to try and talk about it because it's something I still struggle with. And, um, you yes. know, I, I got to a point where I, I really couldn't get through the day. I wasn't coping. So I, I 
you know, I, I got figured out what I need to do. That was take medication and get some help. Um, but it's something that I still deal with. So I think, yes. um, yeah, if I, I don't know, I like, I really find it quite helpful when other people share that they do too. Um, so that's why I try and talk about it openly. Totally. And I, I resonate with all of that. I think it's, I, I too went through a very similar journey mm-hmm. where um, I, I too was, and I've mentioned this probably a number of episodes or probably only one episode um, three, four months ago where I too was diagnosed with, you know, depression. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, yeah. so I, and yeah, I'm so glad you've mentioned this. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and the fusion and intersection of that too with, business ownership so let's okay let's let's dive into that a little bit more let's dive into that a little bit more so tell us what you do now and what does what does M do now (laughs) sure thing so now so I've had my business uh started it in 2015 so it's it's coming on a little bit now um my first three years I was a service provider really so many kind of agency style thing and um now what I do is really I run two online programs so I run one called the modern marketing collective and that's where I teach I I kind of um disguise it as being I teach you about Instagram but really it's so much more it's um it's a lot of it I think will resonate with you Anita about like figuring out who you're actually speaking to and then let's get your messaging together and learn how you can communicate through your captions through everywhere um also getting my students on their in their photos on their Instagram stories so that is a business thing, but it's also a massive thing for their confidence just as a whole and to know that they're enough just to show up as they are. Um, and then we go into a bit of online funnels and email marketing. Um, so that's the Modern Marketing Collective. I've had that, started that two years ago and it's just, yeah, I just love, love it. Um, and then more recently, I started a second program called Scalable because I started getting people asking me, Emily, how did you create this online program? How do I do it? What, like, you know, everything about it. And um, I had taken quite a lot of different programs about online programs, but there was a bit of a gap that I found around, I like to know exactly like how, how do you do it? Give me like the exact, like I need this bit of technology to do this thing here. Um, So yeah, I created that and that's called Scalable and started that earlier this year. Um, So it's really, really cool now seeing other people create online programs. Yeah. Oh, so good. And that, all of this excites me too, which I just wrote down, like, let's, we'll we'll chat a little bit about online programs because, you know, that is a space where, you know, I'm entering into as well, which I, nothing lights, yeah, nothing lights me up more. So we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that in a moment. But I first wanted to, I guess, ask you what, I guess, the intersection has been for you when it comes to business ownership and your journey and also, you know, mental health and how that has, you know, um, because as we were talking about, you know, before we were recording, like it's business ownership is not easy. (laughs) We, we, we go into business ownership and we're like, yes, we want the freedom. We want like to, you know, we, we want to be our own boss and it sounds cool. It sounds great. But then we realize after being on the computer for 15 hours, we're just like, okay, uh, where is my life? (laughs) Where is my life gone? And of course there's the negative chatter that goes into our heads, right, as well. So I'd love to hear more about, I guess, your biggest challenge, um, yeah. your biggest challenges over the last couple of years. Mm. Oh, absolutely. So it's funny. So right when I had a job, um, 
looking back again, I think I, I struggled with my mental health because I remember having days where I probably didn't really know what it was. I just felt really off and probably really down. And so for me, I guess I was looking at, right, I've got this job and I, I almost felt like, crap, I can't keep doing this because like I can't be feeling this way and having a job. This is just like not working. Um, and I'd started picking up a few clients uh, on the side and we spoke earlier how we were both like, ah, yeah. I need to finish my nine to five and get yeah. home and work on my clients. So I realized yes. that's making me so happy. Um, so I started building them up and then went out on my own, started my own business. Um, and that was all pretty amazing, but it got to the end of that first year, towards the end of that first year, when I probably had a bit of a, um, yeah, a bit of a struggle with my mental health. Um, and it's funny, right? So I had an ex-boyfriend and this is when I first went on medication and I like kind of worked out the courage to tell him that I started taking medication for my mental health. And yeah, he probably said the things that you're not really meant to say, which was, oh, that's really not a turn on. Like that's really unattractive. And I'm wow. like, oh God, that was my worst fear. And then he said, oh, that's fine as long as you come off them soon. And I'm like, oh God. So I guess mm. in my head, I was already like before I went on antidepressants, I had in my mind, like, I really, really, really don't want to do this. I really don't want this to be part of who I am. Um, yeah. Anyway, I did it. And I, so I was on them for probably a couple of years. And then um, I remember, so I'd started seeing who's now my fiance, Coden, and he had then gone off on this boys trip overseas for, for probably like four months while we were kind of in the early days. And he was about to come back. And I just thought, right, I got to, I want to come off this medication because then I'm, you know, attractive again. And, uh, you know, I don't want it to be part of me anymore. Bad idea. Came off them and I just plummeted with my mental health. Also because I didn't really stage coming off them, which you meant to do. Anyway, but that also, the thing is the two times I've done that and I've come off them, I've also, like I've gone into a really bad place with my mental health, but it's also been at the same time as things have happened in my business. So it's hard to kind of like figure out how much is attributed to which. But um, mm. that first time it happened, I had a client and um, it was just, I was really struggling to know how to, how to manage this, this client relationship. And um, I was doing these awesome things like, and looking back, it was awesome. It was putting on this like pretty innovative event for his company and um, bringing in this awesome, um, really quite well-known person to his, to speak at his event and creating this like awesome new branding collateral um but each time I would deliver the work he would say he would wait and I wouldn't hear anything for a while and then it would be it's it's not up to standard that's no good like really quite negative feedback um and so I I just found myself dealing with which I hadn't really had anxiety before but it was more that anxiety and I just really struggled to get through the day it was just like it was quite debilitating anxiety around what is what is this client going to say what what's the next feedback I'm going to get from them um so I ended up like working up the courage and going in and kind of ending that client relationship and it was all like quite fine and I don't think he realized like that I was struggling so much and like I've learned a lot from that around okay Emily how can you better navigate client relationships and better take feedback and so it wasn't his fault or anything but um it was just all kind 
kind of happening at that one point. And the thing was, it really then I just lost my confidence. And I just thought, do I eat like, who am I? Do I even know anything about marketing? And so for several mm. months after that, I, I kind of didn't really put myself out there. I didn't like, I just completely lost my confidence and it took quite a while for me to get that back. And it felt like I was almost living in a nightmare just of what am I like, what am who I, am I? Yeah. What am I doing? What have I created? What am I? Yeah. So that was pretty bad. And that happened again a couple of years after that. Um, yeah. Anyway. So now I think I've just learned a lot about how I can manage my mental health. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just in terms of the way I, it, it's a lot about the mindset side of things, like the way I think about things, the way I process things. Um, definitely. Also, I guess creating the business that works for me and mm. that works for my mental health as well. Like, well, am I doing the things that I really enjoy? And I think as well, it's so funny because running our own business is can be highly stressful and can bring a lot of anxiety. Absolutely. But at the same time, it just fulfills me so deeply. And I know that when I was working in my old job, I didn't really feel anxiety, but I just didn't feel fulfilled. So mm. I'm almost like, okay, Emily, if <laughs> like, I'm definitely not in a position now that is um, easy and it doesn't come with anxiety and stress, but I think I now have managed to get some of those skills to cope with them better. Um, yes. And I just, I, I'm just so happy, just so happy doing the work I'm doing. I love that. I love that. And I think so many, including myself, like I feel like so many of our listeners would resonate with what you've just mentioned because there is no 101 Bible as to how to run and scale a business. And I think it usually does get to that point, right? Where the first two years, you just, you just do what you think you're supposed to do, which, you know, is that traditional service arm, right? And then it's not until we pause. And we figure out, okay, hang on, but what, what is that, you know, bigger goal here? What, what, what do I want my life to be like? What do I want my work to be like? And is this how I want to be, you know, living each day? Like if I am 80, like, am I honestly going to be like, proud of what I've done in, in, in my work. And is this actually what I, what I want to be remembered for? And from what it sounds like, like you, you know, had, you know, a number of epiphanies where you were just like, you know what, actually this, yes, client, I've got clients wanting to work with me, but this is actually not what I want. And I want to dive into that a little bit more because, you know, with, Word Fetty and the evolution of us, like, and, and my journey in Word Fetty, like, it has changed so much in the last three, three years. And I feel like there hasn't ever, like I said, there hasn't ever been like a 101 go to guide as to how to best scale a business like, oh, wow. like ours, you know, like there's, and I think it hasn't been until, you know, earlier this year for me when I, you know, beta launched our, Word Fetty or Words program, which I didn't even have a sales page or a website or ad spend on it. And we completely sold out. And I also just have had the most ex- extraordinary experience with the students that we've had that I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, 
I, I love you guys <laughs> and you've got to lurk it for life but also like it feels like Christmas every day like it, this is yeah. this makes me so excited and I guess for those listening who are feeling like might be in the service arm and yeah. are feeling that you know nig where they are feeling you know anxious when they you know yeah. wake up in the morning and are just not sure whether this is what they're supposed to do like what are your you know you mentioned a little bit about you know you have some tips or um, strategies yeah. that you've learned like what how did you navigate from that to yeah. doing what you do today was it was it hard or were you just like no this is what I'm going to do and yeah. do you have any tips oh so much to share there I think first of all as well that um like it, I, I think there's a couple of things that anyone that has a job, they're no better or worse than anyone that has their own business. So I, I want people to know that. And it's the same thing whether you're an online business owner or a service provider or a product owner. Like there's no, it doesn't mean you're better if you have one over the other. So I think for yes. me, it just wasn't working for me having a fully service-based business. And so I like I built it up. So it had been three three years or so. And so from the outset, it looked great. And it, it kind of was great. Like it made pretty good money. I had a, some contractors that were working for me. I had no shortage of clients coming my way, um, but I wasn't happy and mm. I didn't feel fulfilled. And it's the same thing that you said, Anita, when I thought about like, what am I doing this for? Like I've created mm. my business but I don't even really like what I've created and what it is. And when I looked forward, because I'm um, pretty keen to start having kids soon. And when I, (laughs) and when I look forward to those years and to, I guess what I also, what I wanted to be known for and what I wanted to have created, I didn't, I just knew it wasn't what I'd created to that point. Like that wasn't where I wanted to end. Um, And so uh, it was the start of 2018. And so I, I, I did a journaling thing too, which I know that you did when you kind of had this big yes. realization. And so I was kind of looking at, right, like at the end of the year, what do I want to look back and have created? How do I want to feel? What do I want my days to look like? And it became pretty obvious to me that it wasn't this way I was doing my business, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. So yeah. what I did is I had enough work almost for the six months to mid-year. So I thought, right, I'm just going to stop taking on more work because I need to have a little bit of that space. And I, I just thought, right, if I give myself a bit of the deadline, then I'm going to create something or do a different way of doing my business. But I didn't really know what it was. So over those six months, when we had quite a few contracts that I was working on, I guess I was just trying to open my mind a bit. I was listening to different podcasts and I listened to this one podcast and it was about this lady that had this membership and it was a social media membership. And I loved the fact that I'd never heard of her name before because I think there's always these people in online business that you know their names like, and you're like, oh, well, it's okay for them because they're like, everyone knows them. They've got this massive audience, la-di-da. So I loved, first of all, that I'd never heard of her before. So I'm like, well, that's awesome. She's just uber successful, but not everyone knows her. That's really, really cool. Maybe that's possible for me. Um, I loved just, she, she was also an introvert. So she said she was an introvert, which I am mostly. And so I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay. Maybe I can be an online business owner and, and not be like this really like out there and really confident, whatever. Um, and so once I, once that idea came into my head, I'm a pretty quick work. Like, I'm just like, right, let's just do it. So yep. I think I had that idea and I'm like, right, maybe I create an online membership. 
And I think it was only a couple of weeks later that I launched it. Love it. I had at that point, I'd built up um, a Facebook group. So that had about 700 people in it. And I would just go every week, I'd share a marketing tip. It was like one thing Wednesday, here's one thing you can do for your Wednesday. So I was doing a bit of that. Um, What else? I had like a little bit of an Instagram following. I had like 200 people on my email list. And um, I just, I had no idea really what I was doing. But I just, I put out a survey to that Facebook group and I said to them, And this was kind of before I cemented the idea of the online membership, but I said to them, right, what would you be interested in? Would it be like a course? Would you pay me like $100 a month to learn from me? Would you like want to do a retreat? Would you want templates? And most people came back saying they wanted the monthly membership. So I'm like, oh God, okay, I'm going to do this. (laughs) Heck yeah. No, I was actually um, really like scared. And it's so funny. I knew you um, you had Brooke on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Contacted Brooke because we had connected and I said to her, Brooke, I'm thinking of starting a membership. Like, is it really overwhelming? Because I just thought if I create this membership, people are just going to ask me questions all day, every day. Like, how do you manage that? And Brooke is just a total legend and so generous. And she said, Emily, it's up to you to put the boundaries in. So I'm like, oh, (laughs) yes. So anyway, so I launched the membership. Um, but the thing I want people to know is it wasn't a, it wasn't a raving success. Like it wasn't. I thought I had 700 people in my free Facebook group. I would get at least 100 people in my program. I was like, I'm going to get 100 students. I got about like 20 or 30. And I was so mortified. I was like, oh, God. Like, and then I thought, oh, they're all going to see that. People are in the program. They're going to think I'm a total failure as well. Um, so that really threw me. And I just thought, God, who am I to actually think I can do this? Um, and again, I talked about how I was trying to come off my medication and um, mm. that all compiled at that one time. And I got really bad anxiety and just, again, doubted myself for quite a few months after that. Anyway, so that that's kind of what the start looks like. And the other thing is I was earning less money then because I had the online program, but over time, like now, so that was two years ago, I've just celebrated the two-year anniversary of the online program. Like I am just obsessed with my membership. I just love it. Um, I, yeah, I I honestly, like it just makes me so happy. And um, and now the revenue, it's pretty bloody awesome as well. So I I think as well, like I could have launched it and it didn't hit the success level that I wanted, but I I kept going with it. And I want other people to know that too, because I think we hear a lot about like, I launched and it was amazing. It was a success. But even if that doesn't happen to you, it doesn't mean it can't be a success. You just got to keep going with it if you enjoy it. And I realized like, I realized like this is the type of work that I would do for free. But no, I want to be paid well and I'm going to be a really um, profitable business. But I, I also knew at the same time, like, I just love doing this so much. Oh, I love everything you've just mentioned and it gets me so excited because I feel like I'm just at that beginning stage of the journey, whereas you're almost like the future, like <laughs> you're like the two years you've got that, whereas I'm kind of like we had the beta launch yeah. and we're about to go and launch officially and, you know, you 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 mentioned two things that I wanted to unpack mm. a little bit more and that is you mentioned, you know, you had this goal of 100 mm. uh, people for your first launch but you only had you know 20 or 30 like let's dive into that a little bit more and then after that 
I guess I want to chat about, I guess, how you've scaled the online program. So I guess the first bit is, okay, so goal was this, but then this happened. Like, what did you say to yourself and how did you get yourself like out of that? It's like I said, it's kind of hard for me to separate because my mental health was not in a good place because I thought, oh, I'm just going to try it and come off my antidepressants. And so it all happened at the same time. So it is hard for me to know how much of it was affected by like the, the what I saw as like, oh, that was not quite the launch I was hoping for. And then also my, my mental health not being the best. Um, but I didn't say good things to myself. Like it took quite a few months for me to actually dig myself back out of that. Cause I just, I just thought uh, like, I don't know. I just thought I'm a failure. I'm just a failure. I'm just so embarrassed. I'm, I'm just an embarrassment. Yeah. It was horrible things I was saying to myself. So I don't know, but I think, I think what happened was after that, I started having my, and my, like, I just love my students. And there's so many of those first ones that are still with me. So thank you if you're listening. Like, I just appreciate you so much. Um, (laughs) But, um, but I think it's when they started having those real wins and like would share them. And I'm like, oh my God, like it actually works. What I'm teaching really works. And I think that actually like really helped me because I'm like, no, hang on, Emily. Like you are getting people results. You are, you do know what you're doing. You can't like that, you know, you do have something to offer. And I think that really helped me kind of, um, yeah, with my confidence back up again, realizing that the difference that I could make to people, the difference that they were getting from the, from the program. Mm. And, and that's the thing. It's so easy for all of us as business owners to measure our worth and our success based on a certain, you know, whether or not it's a number of people who joined, whether or not it's how many units we sold or, you know, how many likes, whatever, like all of that when, you know, from what it sounds like, like, yes, like M had that goal and yes, you know, you mentioned you, you felt down when you had, you know, 20, 30, but then you were like, you know what, if I gave those 20, 30 people my absolute all and then you know within a number of months and all of that you start seeing results that's that is what we measure the success on because it's not about you know it's it's not yes a goal is important and I think it's so important for all of us to have goals Mm -hmm. so that we have something to work towards but you know there's there's always another launch there's always learnings we can get from those 20 to 30 people for us to then refine and make it even better the next launch and the next launch and the next launch like it doesn't have to be like that from the get-go like and I bet like now like it's almost like you've refined it again and again with each launch right oh yeah and the content is like I've redone all the content like it's yeah yeah I love that now okay so now it's been what maybe two years since you launched the program like how how Wow. How would you say you have, if you were able to share for those who are thinking of starting an online program or an online membership, how did you scale that? Like maybe three, three tips that you had, like what were the three biggest learnings you've had? Okay. Hmm. Let's see. Number one. um, Oh God, there's so much to share. (laughs) <laughs> I think number okay number one comes down to the program that you created it actually has to be something that people want so it doesn't matter how amazing your marketing is or how much like you do to promote it it still has to fit in need 
And so it has to be something that will that people have a problem that's big enough or important enough to them that they're willing to pay for a solution to. So that's like the first thing. Your program has to actually meet demand because you can do all this marketing, but it's the same as any product in any service. So you've got to make sure that the product um, fits and it's got a demand for it. And I think you're not going to know until you launch it. And then you keep promoting it and you kind of get a bit of a feel for it. Um, so that's something. I did a lot of surveys and always like asking my students what was missing for them, what would they like. Um, so that helped me kind of understand. Um, so that, I guess that's like kind of the first tip is making sure you're creating something that there is a need for. And before you launch, doing those surveys. So before I launched Scalable, which is my second program now, I got on the phone with people. And I'm someone that I'm not a big phone person. I'm like, don't want my phone to be ringing all day. It's just, there's something about me. I'm just like, no. And it's it's so funny because people now that are in more traditional workspace, they're like, Emily, I couldn't find your number on your website or your email signature to ring you. I'm like, yeah, that's on purpose. <laughs> um, anyway, so I'm like, no, I want to get these phone calls. I want to get to know my ideal students for this program. So that's what I'd recommend as well is actually getting on the phone or meeting up or doing a Zoom and asking, 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 what are people struggling with? What do they want? Where do they want to get to? So you can then create your program for them as well. Rather than just creating it kind of out of this hypothesis, as to what you mm. or what you want to create. Okay, so that was the first one. Um, second one is I used Facebook ads. And I have no qualms about using Facebook ads. So I soon realized I knew my numbers and I knew my conversion rates and I knew what I had to basically like spend to make. And I remember when I first got into Facebook ads, and this wasn't for a year, I would say, into the program. So it probably took me a year to start using Facebook ads. Um, But I was just like, oh, my gosh, is this for real? You can spend, like, you can just attract these amazing people and it's just you're basically paying to get in front of them. Like, to me, it was just like, do people realize you can do this? And so that is a big part of my strategy. Um, I use Facebook ads and I still do now. So I, I can target people that are similar to my existing students and show them content. And if they like that content, then they'll like come to my webinars and, and this type of thing. So I think Facebook ads would be a second one. But the reason that I focus on the first one is that you like, yes, you can test out spending $100 or $1,000 on ads and you're probably going to get a fairly good idea of whether like your program is something that people well it's even like the messaging of your program mm, and that's like what yeah. you're looking at is the messaging yes like so you can communicate like the challenges that your people have and how you can help them overcome those challenges so that is so important in your marketing and if you can get that messaging right with your ads um like it's 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 just an amazing way to scale so we have people in 10 mm. different countries now partly from using Facebook Um, and like I know you know I can spend this much money and then I can have a positive return so I just think like pretty pretty awesome and I learned how to do that myself and now I've just recently brought on someone to manage it for me Um, so we're just looking at always testing the third thing is the organic marketing as well so I don't just do Facebook ads I um 
when I first started out, because it's changed a bit now over time, um, Instagram was a massive one for me. It's always been a platform that I've, um, yeah, enjoyed. And it's one that I teach now as well, like how to use it. Um, so when I started out, I would just like my photos would be on my profile. People kind of, you know, would get to see me. I would share free content. So I would share tips. Um, and I would promote my program as well. So Showing up on there now more recently um, with the organic side of marketing, some things that are working really well is having a podcast. So that gives me some more reach as well. And again, people can get to know me like they either like me or they don't. And that's cool, you know, so it gives them a bit of a taster for me and how I work and my values and my personality. Um, And then also just this is something more recent for me, but just genuinely connecting with people and especially in Instagram direct messages. And when mm. people say, like, I'd love to learn more about your program, this is what I've learned. It's not to say, oh, yeah, amazing, like, here's the link, come and join. It's actually being like, okay, what are your goals? Tell me about your business. What do you want to achieve? And then they can actually tell me what they want out of it, what, what are they looking for, and then I can say, whether they're going to be, you know, whether it's going to be right for them or not. But I've like, now I just love selling. I just like mm. the person that like, I don't know, had no idea about sales. And now I'm like, I love selling because I like, I know when people buy my programs, like what it can do for them and that they will get yeah. that back if they, if they put in the work. But now like, I don't know. I just, when people kind of ask that question, is the program right for me? I know they're pretty keen. Like you, you wouldn't be asking that if they're not considering it. And then it's up to me to work out like, is it actually right for them? And understanding what they, what they want to get out of it. So I can actually confidently say, here's some examples of someone exactly with your type of business that have had their results. So I don't know, those kind of combination of things, like my program, like I said, I've, I've redone all the content in there. I'm always learning what my students want and creating new things for them and, and tweaking. So that's the first thing and making sure it actually gets them Good results. Second one, Facebook ads. I, I just think it's such a great way to scale really quickly as well, get in front of new audiences. Um, and then the third one is just learning your messaging with your organic content. Um, and I guess understanding kind of how to sell as well. Oh my goodness. You've covered three such powerful points like messaging. Yes. Like, you know, we were, I think it was on your potty and where, where it's literally like, if you're a PT, like, yes, it's fitness, but like the messaging to your audiences are going to be different if there's someone in their twenties versus someone in their fifties or sixties, right? Someone in their twenties would want to hear things like confidence, um, you know, feeling comfortable in your own skin, whereas someone in their sixties will want to hear things like, you know, movement and uh, low impact movement and all of that. So I love that you mentioned that and DMs oh, like the power of the DMs. And I think people are, are missing an epic opportunities, DM and voice notes. Like I'm a big fan of voice notes and it's almost like adding another dimension to the connection and relationship. Mm -hmm. And I also, it is. And I also adore how you mentioned, you know, you love selling because there is this stigma attached to, Mm -hmm. you know, feel like feeling like you have to shower each time you, you know, sell Mm -hmm. when it's all in how you see it because, 
at the end of the day, you're serving, you're helping, you're helping them with a transformation. Like if this is not, this is almost like if you, if you just knew that if someone invested in that program or that digital product, this will help them. Like, what would you say to them if they're walking away from you right now? Like, if you had the chance to help them, why would you let that go? Like, you can transform their life and their work. And it's so exciting because they are so excited then to join. And then when they do join and then when they're in there, like, it's just it's just an awesome kind of experience. And that's taken me a long time to actually learn what sales is all about. And, it, like, what I'm saying is it's not about – yeah, it's not about anything we traditionally think of sales. I think like cold calling and hard pitching or trying to Mm-mm. make people buy that like shouldn't be in the program. But it's just, I think it's just so fun and exciting when you do have people that are interested and yeah, you can have that really personal conversation with them. And I don't know, it's just, I just really enjoy that. Yeah. It's been a little bit mm. transition for me. Yes. Serve. It's like coming from a space to serve, not like sell, sell, sell. Yeah. And it's so, it's such a powerful shift. And that's the thing. Like I don't need them to buy. There's no desperation from me. And that's the other shift as well. I think too, it's like, I'm just, you know, it, it's just exciting for them and what they are now going to create or what they're now going to be able to do in the business. Yeah. Yes. And the the third one that you mentioned was Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Facebook ads. You you said that you I think you said, correct me if I'm wrong, you said that you learnt it yourself. Mm. How how Ooh. was that difficult? So sorry, like I did I did a course and then I managed so I then wow. learnt and then I managed it all myself for the first almost two oh no, what was it? About a year. Um and it was just so fun because <laughs> like it was a lot to learn. But when you're like oh my gosh, I, I just made like $1,000, but I just put $300 in or whatever it is. It's like, what is this? Like, what? Is more in? Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I just think, and I like Facebook changes all the time. So when we, and Facebook ads. So when we have the opportunity for us to get a return, <laughs> it's so funny because I did a Facebook ads training for my members in the Modern Marketing Collective. And I started with the question for them, if you could put $1 into Facebook and make $10 back or $2 back, whatever it is, like, would you put in, how much money would you put in? And so it was like this little test quiz for them. And some of them were like, oh, I'd put in $100. Oh, I'd put in 1000 And then I'm like, guys, the answer is you just put all the money in. You put all the money in. Yes. Yes. It's like, it's a, it's a positive ROI. Like, yeah. Like you put in a hundred. Great. You get like what 10 X that, but you put in what 10,000. Guess what? You also get 10 X that. So it's Facebook ads is like a, it's such a, interesting, fascinating world. Mm. Like if you had to share like one big, like if, if it's mm. if someone's listening right now and they're like, yes, I know Facebook ads is important, but it looks like Facebook ad messenger looks freaking scary. Like yeah. what, what would you say is the one thing they have to focus on? Like on Facebook ads. Mm. Okay. There's the messaging and then the audiences and then the call to action. So you kind of want to have the combination of the three. You want to like you can target so many different audiences on Facebook, but like something that you can do is upload your email list and then ask Facebook to go and find people that are like those people on your email list. You can upload your customer data and Facebook will go find people similar to your customers. So like these kind of things are so powerful. And um, I don't know, I just kind of want to challenge the idea that 
like there is also this negative thought about Facebook ads, but I think that use it as a tool. It's there. And if you can not be relying on it for, for business and sales, like, cause that probably gets a little bit dangerous. If it's your only way, you want to make sure that you can make sales without that. But, um, I just think it's, it is that opportunity. So, okay. So there's the different audiences that you can get really clear. Then again, it's like the messaging and the call to action. So like I say to a lot of my students, like don't, don't use Facebook ads and especially not like, don't start using them yet because they don't know what they're trying to achieve from them. They don't have a goal. So, okay, you can put like $20 in, $100 in, that's fine. But I would much rather you're getting a return on your investment. And so I think with, and that's also the beauty of having an online business or having a product business is that you can, you can measure. And so you can put the money in, but then you can pretty quick, like I know whether I'm getting a return in the next few days. So for me, it's just a smart business decision. So I think that's the other thing too. Like you need to have a business or you need to have your your um, your funnels set up so that when you do spend money with Facebook ads, you, you kind of are doing it for a purpose and that's to get a sale to your program or that's to get a sale to your product. And if you're, you know, if you can't actually measure if that's giving you a return, that's dangerous. So I, mm. I would be making sure, right, what is the goal for that Facebook ads? Like, what is the the sale really that you're trying to make and then learning, okay, like let's get the messaging, let's get the audience and then let's see how much basically you can get a return from your ads. That's kind of like where I'd look at it rather than thinking, oh, I should, uh, you know, I've heard I should use Facebook ads. Oh, I really think I should be using them, getting stressed out and then thinking, oh, just boost and post and maybe it's going to do something for my business. You have to have something that basically is scalable, which is why I created scalable as well. So that you can then like leverage Facebook ads and and all this type of thing and, and serve more people. Because I think in a service-based business, um, it's probably not as relevant to use Facebook ads always because you've probably got a pretty full roster of clients. So maybe you could do a little bit of Facebook ads that is building brand awareness or building your email list and probably going to have a return, but it's, it's also, you probably don't need them as much. And maybe it's going to be a bit harder to see that direct return on investment too. Yeah, getting clear on the objective because it's not always like, is it? Are you wanting people to go on your website? Are you wanting mm. people to? How are you going to measure the success of that, those ads? Yeah. Or is it through conversions, getting your pixels set up right? Like, yeah. I love, yeah, love all of that. Um, okay, now there is one topic. Like we're nearing towards the end of the epi, but I really want to ask you this one thing, and mm. that is this idea of. A healthy versus a not so healthy marketing mindset. Mm. So, you know, like there's one of the biggest objections, one of the biggest pain points, you know, I feel like both our audiences have is they are, you know, let's just say they're, they're not showing up because they're just like, oh, but, but what, like that other person's already doing that or that other person's going to think this of me or getting it wrong. And, you know, then they don't show up and then they wonder why, you know, no one's actually, you know, visiting their website or, you know, booking in or buying their product because, well, you you can't just create, like a website is not necessarily going to equal conversions. Oh, yeah. You've got to drive the right eyeballs onto it. And that means showing up on the content channels that your audience are hanging out in. But, you know, having a not so healthy marketing mindset may mean that they, they're not but having a healthy one would mean that they do. So how how can we move from a not-so-healthy marketing mindset to something that is 
healthier and we show up and we don't feel weird about it. Oh, I love it. And this is like my secret mission as well <laughs> with all my work. It's like, let's help people make more money and also just show up as themselves. Um, mm-hmm. like, this is the thing. It is so liberating when you realize that you can just be yourself. It's so liberating. And so Anita, like in no offense, but you know, you are just like, you're so amazing because you aren't polished, perfect, like, like, you know, mm-hmm. really, um, uh, professional and all of this, like we've both, you know, I just think when people realize, and it does take practice and it takes being scared and doing it anyway. Like, this is the thing. You're not going to wake up one morning and just suddenly feel really confident. Trust me. I know. And you're, you're not going to suddenly wake up and think, oh, I can't wait to post a photo of me and I can't wait to show up on my Instagram stories or whatever it might be. But just by starting, even though it's probably going to look really weird, really awkward, but you're just going to do that and you're going to be like, okay, let's just not care too much. Let's just get it out there. And then when you keep doing it, then when you realize the response you get from your audience, when they're like, when you you know, yeah. start getting those messages and people start saying like, they just feel like they know you or they want to work with you. And you start actually seeing that it works as well when you show up as yourself. And then you start letting go a little bit and realizing instead of taking those a hundred takes or those 20 takes, just one where you stuff it up a bit is actually totally fine. And it's actually- and it's hilarious. Those ones are hilarious. I, 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 I do do them. And it's, it's so funny. Sometimes I, I joke about like, sometimes I skip a day or two of Insta stories when, cause you, you know, because Anita hasn't washed her hair, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's so funny seeing those screw ups. You're like, ah, yikes. <laughs> and that's what, like, it's annoying because that's what your audience will then respond the most to. But, um, oh, totally. But once, like, you've just got to do it to then push through that um, discomfort and that fear. But the other thing is that you are not building your business for those people that you're worried about what they're thinking. Like, you're not building your business for them. You're building it for you. And do not let them and what you fear they might think hold you back. Just like, like drown them out, turn down that noise, focus on what you were doing. Like, Anita and I, we have your back. Like there's so many people that are going to be cheering you on. And sometimes you don't have those friends or you, you don't feel that support. But if you can just kind of trust yourself, back yourself and just like find that inner kind of little push to start doing it and then keep doing it, keep practicing. And like Anita, Anita's just been on my podcast, like we said, she shared it took her like five months of showing up to get her first client from her social media and her website. You never know who is watching. Yes. You you never know. And it's literally like, yeah, it actually took me six to seven months. Like, like it was, it, it took a long time. And I love how you, how you mentioned that because yeah, there is nothing comfy about, let's just use Instagram stories as an example, um, about talking in front of a 
like a camera when there is no, like there is nothing comfy about that. Let's just get straight up about that because when I first started being, I, I did a 30-day Instagram stories challenge probably six months ago um, if you guys want to listen to that episode and I did a recent one again um, a number of episodes ago um, about the biggest learnings and the the what to say and how to say it on Instagram stories but there's nothing comfy about it. But I think like you mentioned, Em, like um, – such magic comes when you're able to be consistent and just push through that discomfort, even admitting that this is uncomfy, like sometimes we'll remove the elephant from the room. So I actually have a challenge for our listeners, okay? If you're listening, listening to us right now and you've made it like this far into the episode, I want you guys to take a screenshot of this episode and tag M. Emily Osmond and myself, Anita Seek, on your Insta so that we can we'll lurk you and we'll love it. But I want it. Can I make that another challenge? Like that's challenge. Ooh. That's challenge level one. Challenge level <laughs> two is for them to actually turn that camera around and just speak to stories and just say one thing that they liked from this discussion. Or it doesn't even have to be something you liked. You can just be like, yes. Terrible. <laughs> we want you to talk. We want you to, yeah, we want you guys to yeah. show up on Insta stories. <laughs> Impromptu <laughs> challenge. Yeah, let's do it. But the other thing is, because when you when you show up in your Instagram stories, it doesn't have to be anything that's amazing that's just happened. It doesn't have to be anything really exciting. Just think about documenting what's what you're actually doing. Give people a little mm. like I'm working on today. That is enough. That is enough. Like yeah, yeah. We, we overthink it, don't we? Yeah, yeah. So I cannot overthink it. Stories. <laughs> Woohoo! All right. Okay. So. Towards the uh, every single episode, um, I wrap up the convo with, uh, I guess, this question, and that is, what was your word this year and has that changed, Emily? Oh, yeah. Um, my word this year was scale and it hasn't changed. So that's what I'm focusing on. Um, and I've this year has definitely been my best in business. Um, it's been... It's been really exciting. Um, yeah, we, we've been growing. Um, like I said, we've, we're now international. Um, lots of different countries, the potty listened to in lots of different countries. Um, and, yeah, scaling the business, scaling the impact. And that's something I'm mm. too. And I know you resonate with this too. It's like, okay, like, kind of what do I want to be giving back and creating and contributing to? So that's kind of something I'm working on as well. Like what is, how am I giving back? Yeah. Mm, Bam. Scaling. Yeah. Yeah. Bam. Love it. Now, if people are listening and they're like, yes, I want to learn more about Emily, where do they find you? Thank you. Well, I have a couple of free online webinars, which one is all about actually how to use Instagram for your business and to use it to not just post pretty pictures, but actually to generate more customers from there. And also one about the five phases of scaling an online program as well, because you can't just launch it. Then like what happens after that? So they're both at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. I've got the potty where you're going to hear Anita. That's the Emily Osmond show. And then my Instagram, Emily Osmond. So just my name everywhere. 
Yes, I love it, Emily. It's been so much fun chatting with you. Like, I feel like I could chat to you for yonks. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing all of your golden nuggets on Brand Fetty. Oh, thank you so much, Anita, for having me. I love chatting with you. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.